Hello and welcome to Unbiased. I'm your host, Michael Hairston. I greatly appreciate you tuning in today. There are a lot of things vying for your attention and time, yet you chose to spend a few minutes listening to the words of wisdom and experience that I want to share today, and I do not take that for granted. So let's get into today's topic as we talk about things that can help empower your decisions and spark your conversation concerning personal finance. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining Unbiased Money. I'm your host, Michael Hairston, and today we have a special guest. You know, I know you guys have thought I was lying when I told you I would have special people on here to share their stories. Well, today I am proving all of you guys wrong. I got somebody special for today, and his name is Donald Washington III. So, Donald, say hello to the crew for me. Hello, hello. How y'all doing? What is it, the Unbiased Money Nation? Is that what you call them? <laughs> That's something like that. I think they will appreciate that. Uh, but. <laughs> So Donald is uh, Donald and I have gotten to know one another, got to know one another quite a bit uh, here over the last few years. Uh, really, love. I tell you what, I really love his spirit. I really love his energy. I really love his his uh, his his vibe and his approach toward life. Um, Donald is a professional, former professional athlete. Um, he played here at Ohio State. He's gone on to be in the pros. But what what I really really like about Donald is. He doesn't let sports define him. What he's interested in doing is really making an impact with those around him and specifically young men. Um, and since we've gotten to know one another and talk a lot, uh, I tell you, this I haven't met anybody that's as genuine as this guy and, is have, and that has a big heart like this gentleman does. So, you know, today I want to introduce everybody to Donald and uh, give him an opportunity to t- share a little bit about his background, his experience, and then his story. And then uh, kind of what he's doing in society right now to try to make a, an impact. And hence, that's the name of today's uh, episode. It's called Seizing Opportunities. And when you hear Donald's story, you'll hear a lot about a lot of opportunities that he's coming his way, particularly from his background. Opportunities that probably shouldn't have came his way, but he seized those opportunities, made the most of them, and now look where he's at today. So uh, enough about me and enough of, a month of, enough of my voice. I want to hear from my guy and hear what he's got to say, man. So what's up, man? Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you tuning in and, uh, and talking to our, our group here. Uh, so how are you living these days? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background and uh, you know where you come from and where you are now. Uh, well, first off, I just want to say I appreciate that... Um that that very warm introduction man like i don't know if you're just trying to hype me up or you <laughs> make me sound better you know what i'm saying i appreciate that though <laughs> but no um honestly man um that's what i strive to be though um in a nutshell is genuine and, and transparent but um a little bit about myself i'm from the i'm from the inner city of indianapolis um i grew up right next to the fairgrounds um I went to Franklin Central High School. Um, I was a four or I was a three sport athlete all four years in high school. Um, might as well say four sports because I was a student in the classroom or I was, yeah, I was, the classroom was like a sport to me too. Um, and I think I was a good student. I don't want to say, I think I know I was a good student and that's kind of what has helped me become who I am. Um, I've always just kind of applied myself to what's in front of me. Um, but diving into my athletic career a little bit in my neighborhood growing up, we did a lot. Of, we played a lot of football, basketball, race, races, seeing who's the fastest, um, competitions of just who can jump over this, and of what it, how high it was. So I was all I, I found out very quickly that I was a good athlete. I that's kind of what I was known for in my neighborhood was the little fast guy, the one that could hoop or could jump or whatever that is. Um, so. That was my encouragement to kind of pursue an athletic career, Career, honestly, just how athletic I was just in the neighborhood. Um, and I was very competitive. So I first got in a track. I was in the track. Um, I was in track and field. I ran cross country. I did track and field in middle school. Um, I was always good at the long jump, 100 meter dash, four by one type of stuff. Um, but basketball was my was my love, my first love. Like I grew up saying I was going to go to the NBA, being from Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, Indiana is probably more of a basketball state than it is any other sport, especially um, growing up for young men. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I, there was that. And I actually, I liked football, um, but I was not really 
into just banging around for a living, honestly, when I was younger. I liked watching it, and we played a lot of two-hand touch and stuff in the neighborhood. We did play some tackle without equipment, but that just – I would much rather play basketball, um, <laughs> just to be honest. Um, so, I mean, some of my – just to fast forward to high school – I started varsity basketball as a freshman. We, my freshman high school, or my, yeah, my freshman football team in high school, we lost one football game. Um, I was a freshman MVP, freshman football player MVP. I got called up to do JV and varsity um, towards the end of the year. But my high school coach was, uh, he wasn't really big on freshman, not football, freshman playing varsity or JV. And quite honestly, I wasn't ready like physically. Um, I was a smaller guy, just real fast, but kind of, Kind of skinny, to say the least. <laughs> um, you need so, a couple of peanut butter and jelly yeah, sandwiches me out there in varsity <laughs> football. Um, but I had a lot of success early in high school track. Um, I, I'm, um, I won the, the county, so Marion County, that was that's a big deal in Indianapolis. So I won that track meet as a freshman. Um, then I, I qualified for state. I placed fourth in the state in the state track meet, but I set the uh, state record for a freshman. So before that year, it was like 22 feet, six inches. That was the longest mark ever uh, recorded by a freshman in the state of Indiana at the uh, state meet. And I think I went 23, like one and some change. Um, so yeah, I got that to kind of hang my hat on. Wait and a minute, hold on, wait a minute, hold, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Let's back up for a minute, wait a minute, hold on, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> Did you just say as a freshman, your long jump was 23 feet, six inches. Yes, sir. <laughs> As a freshman. As a freshman. What? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's mind blowing. Cause you think about- I was going like 20 feet in the eighth grade. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, that, that's crazy. So does that record still stand today or is yep. somebody come yep. catch it? That was what, 2002, 2001, 0102. So yeah, it still wow. stands. Wow. So you went from basketball to track and you really didn't feel football, but somehow in high school, you got into football. So what was that? How did you get into football? And then how did that lead you from Indiana to Ohio? Because you know what my next follow-up question is going to be. <laughs> you left Indiana, which is known for basketball, but also is big on football, but you left Indiana and then went to Ohio state. Like that shouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. So um, my football career took off, honestly, man, my, uh, so like middle school and through my freshman year, we had a different coach, Coach Mallory. And then after that, my I had a high school coach or my high school coach, Lance Scheib, he played receiver at Purdue. So he was a college football player. I remember I was in the eighth grade when he, you know, I was in the eighth, or, I was in the eighth grade actually when he took over. And I remember him coming into the weight room uh and as and like just pulling me to the side and uh I actually I played football in the eighth grade but I I said I was done I was going to just uh focus on basketball and he pulled me to the side in the weight room we had that conversation just about like you know um heard you're a really good athlete I think you're too young to put all your eggs in one basket that was really the first time I had heard that saying and I was like yeah but I'm I'm a basketball player you know what I'm saying like that's that's what I was telling him He's like, well, how about this? How about you just come to, you just stay involved throughout the summer. So he invited me, I went to the varsity uh, summer camp. So throughout the summer, I was actually working out with the varsity football team and stuff. He had me playing receiver. And it was, I ain't gonna even lie, man, it was pretty easy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was having my way out there. Um, he kind of, he kind of asked me for real if I wanted to move up or play with my class. And I would have rather, I'd rather play freshman. Why, I really don't know, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't want to rush my curve, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, so that's kind of how I got back into football. Um, and then my work ethic, man, honestly, and I'm, I'm very competitive. So I think what helped me in football is also basketball and track. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a, I was a press corner and I was a receiver. Um, in basketball, I was a dunker called oops and I picked up my man full court. So that directly 
court like translated over to football. You know what I'm saying? I was an in-your-face defender. I always guarded the best teams, basketball player. My my game was kind of or my athletic career was built on my like my God given gifts, my natural gifts. Once I mixed that with some some real coaching from someone who had been there, um, he had taught me not only how to become a better player, but what it took to get into college. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that that was big for me um, because I grew like I said, I grew up in the inner city. Um, the structure I was used to ain't the structure that most people are used to. Right. You know what I'm saying? So um, sports kind of shaped me, kind of helped me grow into a young man. Sports was a big mentor for me. It was a big, it was a father figure for me. Um, just allowing other, other people to coach me, correct me, not taking it personal when people are being hard on me. That's kind of what, prepared me for Ohio State. Yeah, you know what? You just raised a good point that I want to ask you about. Um, being from the inner city and having an environment that's different than most folks, different than most folks, but yet you being in the inner city, you didn't see that. Let me ask you this. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So you being in the inner city and knowing that you basically are whooping up on everybody when it comes to all different types of sports, you know, how did you see your opportunities that were before you given your athletic abilities, but then also um, too, as you got ready to seize those opportunities, what did you early on realize? Like, look, if I really want to be good at this, I need to, I, there's some things I need to, to focus in on. You started to talk about coaching. That's why I'm asking this question. Um, quite honestly, um, a lot of us have different motivations and ambitions. Um, me personally, I was motivate, motivated by my upbringing, by what my reality was at that point in time. Um, and I say, I, I could have given into that, you know what I'm saying? But I used that as fire. Like I didn't, I went home to no warm water, to no heat in the wintertime. You know what I'm saying? I ain't have electricity in the house. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I was dealing with, I was using sports to make that better. You know what I'm saying? And that was my driving force every day as a kid that one day I ain't gonna have to deal with this. And I'm gonna make sure my mother don't gotta deal with this. So it was like, I wasn't playing, I was playing sports to be the best or to be the best I can be, but I was really playing sports to change my life. Man, that's, that's powerful right there because you hear a lot of athletes talk about playing sports as a way to, we're playing sports as a sanctuary, like the, the sports field is a sanctuary for them, right? It's a chance for them to escape where whatever there's going on. But for you, it was more than just a, an escape. It was a motivation to say, you know what? I'm going to use my talents and my abilities. I'm going to seize this opportunity to make things better, not just for myself, but for those who I care about or those around me. Yeah, it was a way out. Yeah. A way out. And I knew I had to try. So it was, I was used to, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't used to that that lifestyle. I, I didn't grow up around a lot of professionals. You know what I'm saying? I grew up to people in the streets, drugs and violence. You know what I'm saying? So I knew I wasn't that at a young age either. You know what I'm saying? So I was, I had a sense of who I was as, as a young man. Um, and I didn't let my circumstances define me. I mean, I got caught up in the stuff at times. I'm not perfect, but I always knew that I wanted something different than what I was used to, you know what I'm saying? And the only way I could get something different than what I'm used to is to allow somebody outside of what I'm used to to kind of coach me up or teach me. I, and it wasn't comfortable, you know what I'm saying? Like I butted heads with my coaches, especially when I was young, I was hard headed, felt invincible. Um, I ain't trust people. I was, didn't really want to open up to certain people. So it was growth. I don't think you can ever be really ready for it, but you can be willing, you know what I'm saying? And oh, I was I was willing and I was more than willing because like I said, I was trying to change my reality. You know, so, and I think one of the powerful things you just said was the fact that at an early age, you realized what you were and what you weren't. And as you looked around your environment, you said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not this and I don't want to be this. And even though you didn't know per se what to do, 
to go forward, but is that growth and you were willing to embark yeah, on I knew. growth? Or- I knew though. If you ask my mom, I was probably six years old saying I was gonna go to the NBA. Really? Yeah. I, I remember my grandmother brought me a Fisher Price basketball court for Christmas. I think I was five or six. I got a I remember a lot. And I can remember out on the porch on Christmas and it was a blizzard like it is now, early 90s, man. And I was just out there. I was Michael Jordan on that day. And my, and I, you know what I'm saying? Like using my imagination, man, that was something nobody could take from me. You know what I'm saying? So right. um, I think that's a gift to be able to put yourself in positions outside of your circumstances. That's how I got to where, that's how I got out of my circumstances. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't like dwell where I was at. Right. I could literally vividly see myself in places. I had dreams. I had a lot of deja vu growing up or later on in life. So it's dreams do come true for sure. Man, that's, that's, that's great. That's, that's awesome to hear that, you know, you visually, you, you visualize you and your visual, your visualization turn into perspective and that perspective turned into action and led you somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I've talked about with some of the, uh, with the unbiased nation to steal your, to steal your term <laughs> is in one of our very uh, early podcasts was about perspective, you know, mm-hmm. depending upon your perspective on that can dictate what you do and, and how you act going forward. And you just decided, Hey, this is where I'm not, where I am is not going to be my perspective. I, I choose not to think this way. I'm a, I visualize and see things differently and you, you let your dreams kind of drive you forward. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that's a powerful, powerful lesson that you just passed along and we're only like five minutes into this conversation <laughs> I, mean, uh, I think that kind of what helped me um just as i look over the format of how we doing it um just the leadership development right coach trussell was big and his like one of his things was you're only as strong as your weakest link you know what i'm saying so in terms of like a team setting or working with other people um it don't matter how good you are if the people around you can't kind of work up to that speed, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, not everybody on the team would be the superstar, but at one point, if we got to use this backup, if he's not ready to step in, then we're only as good as he going to take us. You know what I'm saying? So it's everybody has to stay ready. You know what I'm saying? And I registered as a freshman, my first year at Ohio state. So I still approached it like, man, they might pull my red shirt one day and I might have to go in. I would hate to embarrass myself. You know what I'm saying? I also developed anxiety with that too. <laughs> um, but no, just honestly, man, just having a kind of never quit, never settle mentality. I think that's what helped people become great leaders because even if you're not a very vocal type leader, people feel your energy. That's the standard imprint we leave on most people. Yeah. Is how, how they felt around us. Absolutely. Now you see why I began the podcast the way that I did, just talking about your energy. I mean, because you anybody that's around you for 15, not even 15 minutes, for five minutes can see that that leadership mentality that's inside of you. But as we've been talking about your background, you know, you seizing opportunities, that's where the leadership seeds were planted and they started to, to germinate, you know, and then as circumstances came about, you continued to mature in your leadership gift, you know, and you know, I, I, again, it's a testament to who you are and where you are. Like I said, you said it best, which is, you know, I knew what I wasn't and I knew what I am. And, you know, I'm not perfect, but I knew what I am. And I wanted to focus on what I am and what I could accomplish versus where I came from, you know, so speaking of where you came from. So Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about Ohio State, because, you know, that's the big thing. It's probably why a lot of people are always, you know, are probably gravitating. Oh, he's got somebody who used to play at Ohio State on this, but you're much bigger than Ohio State. So you came to Ohio State, you registered your freshman year, and then the next couple of years, that team that you was on was 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 beastly, man. Talk a little bit about that team that you were on, the success that the team had, but then the success that you had personally. And then, you know, during that during those few years that you, after your red shirt was over with. Um, man. <sighs> To start off, man, when I came to Ohio State, I can just remember hearing this saying is you win with people, right? That was Coach Trestle's motto. So first and foremost, man, it was a locker room full of talent. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can remember when I first got to Ohio State, 
I mean, in every room was filled with draft picks, first round draft picks. I'm talking about from the linebackers, there was Schlegel, AJ, Bobby, Mike DeAndrea, um, Marcus Freeman. We had Kurt Terry was in the in that room at one point. Um, then the DB room, Dante Whitner, Nate Sally, myself, Malcolm Jenkins. Um, then the receivers, like the receivers, like when I first got there, it was Santonio Holmes, Anthony Gonzalez, Ted Ginn, uh, Brian Rubisky, Brian Hartline. We had Ray Small, um, Albert Dukes. I mean, man, like just like the like the talent, like in every room, bro. It was crazy. Um, oh, that and, had to be some epic battles back and forth. Oh, just that DB room was, that you just mentioned between you, Winfield, uh, Malcolm Jenkins. You know what I'm saying? And then now on the other side, you got, I don't know if I said Winfield, but I meant Whitner. Whit, my bad. Whitner. I'm sorry. Yeah, but uh, then on the other side, <laughs> you got. Gonzalez, you got Santonio Holmes, you got Rubisky. I mean, those three were pretty good route runners. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, man, I don't I'm know. Santonio Holmes, Ted Ginn, Anthony Gonzalez, they were all first round picks. Yeah, they were. I mean, you know, Ted was known for his speed. Holmes Ted's still playing. They still, and he's still playing now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I can imagine the battles that you guys had, but keep going about your story. I'm sorry, I didn't, I was just. No, nah, you good, man. Um, So it was, I mean, it was a lot of talent. But it was a, a lot of good guys, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think it was a lot of guys who were who were used to winning and was training to win, you know what I'm saying? Um, so everybody pushed each other. It was really an iron sharpens iron environment. It was people pushing each other, applauding each other, but holding each other accountable too. And that was the biggest thing is because it was almost like a natural thing where you didn't want to let people down. You knew how much everybody was putting in and you knew how much everybody was counting on each other. So that was that was the biggest thing my freshman year um, outside of all the competition. And that kind of helped mold me as a college athlete. You know what I'm saying? Like just coming into a locker room in meeting room with those upperclassmen, you know what I'm saying? It was they. It was a standard that was kind of set already, honestly. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's why I'm saying like Trestle, when he recruiting us, he was saying you win with people. So you know what I'm saying? Just in terms of surrounding yourself with the right people, you hear that in so many different ways, or picking the right friends, whatever that is. But um, the right mix of people is it can be powerful. And that's what we had there in the locker room. I think that's what's still going on. And I think that's how Ohio State is able to reload. It, they recruit the right people. I was glad that they found me in Little O Indianapolis, for real. Because uh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't big in football. Um, but as I, as I moved on, after my freshman year, um, I felt like it was also just habit. I had built good habits early on when I was young. I wasn't perfect. Again, I'm going to stress that. But um, my, my, my motto is progress, not perfection. So my habits were allowing me to get better. In my sophomore year, which was, well, my red shirt freshman year, on my first year on the field, it was, <laughs> everything was just real fast. Right, um, right. And you know, your red shirt year kind of helps you get acclimated to that, but it was, it wasn't always comfortable. And I think that's big for, for transition or for growth or for anybody pursuing something is it's not gonna be perfect. You know what I'm saying? It's going it could be an emotional roller coaster at times. It was stressful, it was fun, I was happy, I was sad, I was nervous, I was anxious, sometimes I was relaxed, I was calm. It was all of that, man. But in those experiences, I learned how to deal with those energies, you know what I'm saying, versus shying away from anxiety and all of that type of stuff. You just kind of learn how to deal with it, especially when you only got about five, six seconds to figure out what you're going to do. You know what I'm saying? You break oh, the huddle, you get lined up. Yeah, you can be anxious that you lined up out wide versus a top receiver, but you got to figure out a way to snap into it real quick. So that has helped me in a lot of areas in my life. You know what I'm saying? Which is, I don't want to call it flipping the switch, but just knowing how to, you know, get serious or turn it up a notch, so to speak. Yeah, um, I mean, because as a DB, um, as a defensive back, I mean, you hear that as a 
as a football fan, I hear this statement all the time, which is you have to have a short memory and you have to be able to, like you said, flip the switch, which is because sometimes you're going to line up. Sometimes you're going to press them and you're going to win. Sometimes you're going to get beat. But when you get beat, you can't let that stop you. You got to line back up again and go right back at it. So with that being said, let me ask you this. Give me or give us all your favorite memory playing ball, like your most memorable success playing ball at an OSU. And then at the same time, that one play that you wish that you could have had back. My most memorable moment, man, was my first interception at Ohio State. It was a touchdown versus Kent State. Um, it was, uh, who was the quarterback? Edelman, Julian Edelman was a quarterback, actually. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had some bulletin board material, first of all, for that game. Uh-oh. Um, but they had, there was, I was the field side corner. Um, I, I was the guy they, they could, they think they was attacking for a period of time on the defense. And um, Malcolm was the corner that played across from me. He's probably the most competitive person I've ever met, for real. Okay. Um, he 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 challenged me. You know what I'm saying? Like he he challenged me a lot of times, but he had said something to me, and it was like a it was like a it was like a punch in the stomach. <laughs> and he was like, "Man, you gonna stop that? When you gonna make a play?" Type of question. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like it was literally, they had ran this same play. It was like double outs, right? Double speed outs to the to the field side. And the third time, I just jumped it, man. You know what I'm saying? I seen it. The way he snapped the ball looked the same. The way he patted the ball looked the same. The the formation was this area. It all looked the same. It was familiar. So I just trusted it. You know what I'm saying? I just trusted everything. I just trusted the feeling of that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like. Right. I wasn't thinking nothing. I just felt it and I just went. And that was like confirmation. It's like, boom, you it's a gift. You know what I'm saying? Like, just as like to be able to kind of place yourself outside of your circumstances or to kind of not get caught up into today. It's like, I think those are all gifts, man. And to, to be able to take in that moment, take something that I had seen that had kind of been it was, it had me on my heels. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And versus me staying on my heels and becoming real passive, I chose to attack it. You know what I mean? I applied myself to it. Um, it was in the real world, it's like make a quick evaluation and then make some changes and just go. Yeah. Um, but you know what I like about what your story with is that you had Jenkins on the other side who was uh, offering his, uh, <clears throat> shall we say, encouragement. Yeah, <laughs> we'll say his his, encourage, his encouragement to you to 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 do something different. Yeah, but, but we, uh, we all yeah. need that though, right? We all need right. that. Yeah. And that's what I said. That was one thing I learned from that whole environment at Ohio State. Right, is being coachable and just allowing other people to be hard on you and not take it personal. Yeah, um, most of us came from the background where we was we was the man on the team, so not in high school nobody was saying stuff to me like that. Right, you know what I'm saying. But um, again, iron sharpens iron. So he was a real competitive dude. And he was probably over there thinking like, oh, I wish they come over here. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he, he helped me, honestly. Um, like I said, I'm gonna keep using this. Iron sharpens iron. That's something that I learned in college. Um, yeah. And you got your first interception, you know, M Malcolm encouraged you. You saw the route, you see it played out. You saw the play, you you trusted your instincts, made the play, bam, got your first in it, your first INT. So what's that one play if you had to go back and, and if you could go back, you were like, man, I man, wish I could do that. It was the Michigan over. game. What? The Michigan game. Now y'all been stopping Michigan for I don't know how long. Freshman year, this was the last time that game was truly the game. It oh, was okay. number one, they was number two. Okay. The winner of that game won the Big Ten and went to the national championship. Oh yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, so, so it yeah. was a it was yes. a big game, man. Yeah. It was like the energy in that game. I ain't never felt no feeling like that, bro. It's not something that can be duplicated, bro. It's just a matter of you just have to be there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, how often do you get like number one, number two against one another the last yeah. game of the right. year in a big yeah. rivalry game? I was about to say, even when they not number one, number two, that's a big game. But it was just, I just remember the energy in the stadium, like how electric it felt. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. 
It was, man, I could go on for days just talking about the feeling of the game, but um, it was it was one of those games where literally every second felt very crucial. Every moment meant something, man, in right. that game. Um, and it was, I had, it was a play. It was the same scenario as just a year prior. So in the Kent State game, I was able to recognize it out on the field. It was like I could take it from the meeting room and and apply it right there. It's like, so sometimes it's like in football, you see it on the board or on, the, on a notebook. And then you can see it on the film. You see it in the walkthrough, but then in the game. And then sometimes it doesn't always look the same based on what you're going through and the energies that you processing through your mind and stuff. So as a my red shirt freshman year, I struggled with some of that, taking it from the classroom to the field. And in this particular play in the Michigan game, um, right, after, right as it was happening, I knew. You know what I'm saying? But it was in, in high school, you can be a, a, a split second off with your thinking and make up, with, make up to that play athletically. Um, in college, and even in the league, it's even that much faster. So I didn't recognize it soon enough. Right. And in me trying to recover, it was basically, man, I remember the play. It was two receivers on one side. They switched, and one of them ran up the sideline. And I was supposed to just kind of stay in the middle of that, knowing they want the guy on the sideline. And I followed the guy inside. The sideline was open. And not only that, I'm trying to run back to the sideline. I missed the tackle. It just looked bad, bro. <laughs> it was like panicking, trying to do too much. And it just, right. and it was a very, I mean, if you, like, if you ever watch a replay of this game, you're like, dang, that's what he talking about. <laughs> it was, it was like, it was glaring. It was, there's, as a DB, you can't have too many mistakes where people don't know. Right, right. That is true because film is always on, especially in a big game like that. And this one that people go like, man, what was he thinking? Like, what was yeah. going on? Yeah. But you know what, though? You said that was your that was your uh, red shirt year, right? Your yeah, freshman that was year? my first year on, this, on the big stage. Yeah, first year on the big stage. But I would imagine, based upon everything that you talked about, your ability to process, learn from mistakes, overcome anxiety, seize opportunities, that didn't happen in the next couple games, did it? when you play? Nah, nah, See? because I think we learn more from failure than success. That's a good point. You know what I'm saying? So that was one of them things that's like, oh yeah, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I just don't want that feeling again. Right, y'all can't have me on TV no more looking like yeah, that. Like my yeah. mom, your mom calling you like, boy, what happened to you? What you doing? <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, I don't know, man. It's just like, I was, if somebody would ask me what's wrong, the only thing I can say is my pride. Like, <laughs> hurt. <laughs> but you know what, though? I mean, here's what's funny. We're laughing about it because it's true. I mean, every all of us have a failure of some sort. For you, whether it was a football field or, you know, it could be something even smaller than that. <clears throat> Anytime we fail, it is, a, it is a ding against our pride. And we always want to sit by, dang, especially when we know better. It's like, dang, I knew. But... Mm -hmm. Even in that, like you said, and what I love what you just said, we learn even in failure. And I think that that's awesome how you process that and you still live by that now. So, all right, so let's talk about, all right, so you left Ohio State. Mm. You know, you had that bad play, but you also had a good play. You had plenty of other good plays, good enough to get you drafted. Right. So talk about that transition from being a collegiate athlete to now going into the big boy world in the business world of the NFL? Like, what was that transition like? Honestly, um, to be a professional athlete was a childhood dream. Okay. But once it happened, it was probably one of the scariest things, honestly. Talk to us a little bit more about, like, how did uh, you, I know people talk about the athletic world and the, the athletic piece of being a pro athlete, but there's a business side to this. Like, were you aware that what you were walking into was more nah, of a business? Or? I wasn't, man. Okay. I went to the NFL as an athlete trying to be a great athlete, okay. not even understanding or having the slightest idea of what this is going to require from me as a businessman. And quite honestly, the NFL is more a business than a sport. There's more other, there's more jobs around athletics than there is to be an athlete you know what I'm saying what I'm trying to say is like you could be front office all of that other stuff there's only so many roster spots 
there's a lot of other jobs around the sport. So just in that understanding right there, lets you know how much of a business it is. You know it's a lot of partnerships, sponsorships, um, it's investments. Um, and that's what it was being drafted. So versus me feeling invincible, like, yo, this team, I just got drafted. This just this just boosted me, my, you know, my ego here. Um, how all the selfish ways I was looking at it, I was kind of just, I, did, I just didn't know, you know what I'm saying? So it's not to blame myself, but it was just how I walked into it. So speaking of draft, you got drafted by Kansas City in correct fourth round. Fourth round. So you got drafted fourth round by Kansas City. Yep. So when you went to, when you got drafted, obviously there's a lot of elation, but as we just talked about, you didn't know about the business side. So when you got to Kansas City, is that when it hit you was a business or was it sometime nah, in the first year? Like when did it I, hit um, you that it's a business? So when I first got drafted, man, I cried, honestly. It was some tears of joy. I was a little scared. I ain't, I just didn't really know. It was the unknown. Um, so there was some fear as well. The business side didn't quite hit me, honestly. Um, I remember even when I got my, when I first got my signing bonus, it was just more so a big check. You know what I'm saying? That's really what it was. I was just hyped, but I didn't really have any idea as to what I was going to do with that. Right. Other than spend it. When I realized how much of a business it truly was, was my agent calling for that check. Oh, what? Talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, and it's not, it's not a knock on agent. I mean, I knew I had to pay him and this, that, and the other, but it, it's, right. that's when it was real. That's a big check. So when your, um, agent, when your agent called you and said, hey, man, you, you know. Yeah, you see that to- email, like, this is the, you know, the check to be sent out by this date. I'm like, I just felt some type of way. <laughs> and this is your agent fees you're referring to, right? So yeah, whatever. Agent fees, just yeah. the Um, But that's when it was like, it ain't only about me making money. In business, it's a give and take. It's a flow. Um, and it, like, I don't know, it just, and I didn't think of it as deeply as I do now back then, but right. I can just remember like, wow. I mean, you listen, I, I'm aside with you because if I got an email telling me to write a big check like that, from, yeah, I'd probably be, I'd be a little ticked myself. You know, look, I don't even want to pay the bills I got around here, let That's alone. No, it's like, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure many people within Unbiased Money Nation is probably the same way. Like, first of all, we don't even want to deal with the regular bills we got, let alone we got a big check, which is great. But now we got to pay somebody for the big check we got. Like, mm-hmm. hold on, wait a minute. So I, we, I think all I can speak for all of us and say we, we side with that example because that's real. That's mm-hmm. when you realize that it's a business for you. Your, your job was to go play football, but it was a business. And for some of us, no matter what we might have in our nine to five is it's a business at the end of the day, mm-hmm. even for you. So let me ask you this. Um, you talked about how you got that big check. You were ecstatic about it. Um, and you, you didn't really think about it like a business because you just thought of this, you know, now I got this money and I can do something with it. Mm-hmm. Did you have a business team around you or some people around to coach you um, on the business side? And what was your experience with them? Nah, I wouldn't say I had a business team. And okay. here's what I mean by that. Um, if you ask me right now, if I have a business team or what a business team is, I think they are gonna help you grow in that area. Um, and I don't think everybody was around me helping me grow. So I might've had some people that had business titles around me, this, that, and the other, but, and I'm not blaming other people. Um, that's not what I'm doing, but I feel like most of the people that were around me were trying to get something. Treating you like a business, mm-hmm. in other words. So yeah. long as we so can get something from I was you. an opportunity. Yes. I was the I was a business opportunity for a lot of people. Um, and in that I developed a lot of bitterness in the business world. You know what I'm saying? I became shy and isolated. Um and I just became like, you know what? I'm gonna just let this, this, all this sit here. And when it's out, it's out. But I ain't trusting nobody with nothing. Um, and I've had some bad experiences. You know what I'm saying? I've had money stolen. I've made some bad decisions, whether that be investments or just, you know, 
just the growth curve, basically, without going into too much detail. When you're a professional athlete, everybody want to be around you. People are calling you. You, ain't, you don't have to call nobody. You know what I'm saying? Everybody want to reach out to you to help you. True. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, it's, it's, it's important to have a good business team around you, but it's also good for you to know what you're dealing with and what you're going through. And even if you do have a business team, what are you, what are your expectations for them? You know what I'm saying? And is or don't a lot of times, I know when I was, I mean, it was, when I was playing, it was kind of, you know, you just get somebody and you just kind of hand it over to them and they'll take care of it and you just focus on your sport. And, and those was the ones that, you know, being too trusting and getting screwed over. So I think, if I was to talk to my younger self or guys now, it's just, you know, um, ask questions, man. Make sure people know how you feel, know what your concerns are, what, what your expectations are. At the end of the day, it's yours. The resources are yours. So they got to be doing what you want. And a lot of times we kind of just give into that sales pitch or the hype of what that person can do. And we're so, as an athlete, we're held at a high standard in our profession. If if you don't produce, you could be fired on Tuesday. That's just the nature of the beast. You know what I'm saying? But we give we we give people a long leash. You know what I'm saying? And and I think a lot of guys, that's what hurts a lot of guys. Even if it some people don't figure it out till later down the line, maybe after their plan and they start paying more attention to certain things. Don't buy into that, oh, I'm a professional athlete. It's more important to be a, a, a smart businessman. You know what I'm saying? You've been a professional athlete or an athlete your whole life, training in a professional manner. Uh, but a lot of us, like I said, me coming from where I came from, I didn't really have that professional business insight. I didn't grow up around a bunch of professional business people. So a lot of my learning came through my mistakes and my own experiences. That's why I'm kind of very passionate about passing that back it's because it can, it can be kind of hurtful to see certain people go through the same stuff you went through and you know it's avoidable. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, and I, I think that one of the key points that you just mentioned about your business team is several key things that you mentioned. It's almost like you were doing my pie, you've been doing all my podcasts for me with a lot of things you just mentioned, which is, you know, having a vision about what it is that you want and sticking to that. And then having clear expectations within yourself, but then articulating those expectations to your business management team or the people that are around you and then honing them accountable. And then at the, at the end of the day, how are you helping me grow? Mm -hmm. You know, that's the big thing you and I talked about, which how are you helping me grow? And not every business person that you run across is going to help you grow by making you money or uh, with the next solid business group, not next solid business deal. There's other ways to grow. And are you, helping me grow holistically? Or are you just looking to grow in a way that can line your pockets too along the way? And I, that, all of that is what I hear and what you're, what you just described. And, you know, I thanks, thank you for sharing uh, those personal experiences and even some of the things that, uh, that did not go the way that you want, because even in that, guess what? You still seize opportunities to do things differently. So. Sure. Um, um, again, I don't think experience, I think failures, is just as much a part of our experience as success is. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's really just how we respond to it. Like, I, I used to get caught up a lot of times in my mistakes and being overly hard on myself and then creating little stories in my head that just really just kind of dampened my, my drive or my spirit to really be whole in other situations. And like I said, man, just learning how to learn from some of the stuff that feels bad to you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Whether that's spending too much money, blowing money or messing up an opportunity or missing out on an opportunity because you, whatever the case may be, it don't feel good, right? But there's a learning lesson in all of that. I mean, I've had, I've had some very expensive learning lessons. You know what I'm saying? But the, the key to it is, is not how much money it cost me or how much money I lost or how much money I blew. It's did I learn a lesson? Man, and that's great perspective that you asked. Um, and with that, so here's one question. I, I got several questions I want to ask you just on this topic alone, because obviously, you know, now we're getting into the the money, money, and I can talk money all day long. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
but it's not about me, it's about everybody else. So as you look back over your experiences um, in dealing with the business side of football and then the financial side of football, and then as it relates to you personally and your personal finances, um, you talk, you just talked about lessons. So what's one of the greatest financial lesson or lessons that you picked up during your sports career that you still use today? It could be one thing, maybe two things, but things that you know that hey, this is one or two that are top of the mind for me. That's, that's kind of tough. Honestly, bro, um, I don't know if I'm answering this correctly, but I know there's a there's a big thing around people saying, well, especially how athletes get judged is, well, they got all this money. If I had this, I would I would do this, that, and the other. I would, well, first of all, it's not as easy as it may seem. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's, um, nice. that's nice. It's how you don't learn how to manage money just because one day you get a lot of money. If you've never had financial literacy, don't think you're just going to magically find it because you have money now. And I think that's what people don't understand. It's like, I hear a lot of people say, well, if I had a million dollars, that could last me the rest of my life. Man, first of all, just think of the most expensive stuff that you like and how much of that are you going to go buy right away? Or how many of your loved ones do have you promised something you can't wait to make? The, you know what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of times if, uh, if you give a lot of people a million dollars, first of all, half of it is gone with taxes. And then, so that million dollars is 500. You probably gonna blow half of that on the, in the first day. So you got 250 to last you the rest of your life now. Now let's hear that. You know what I'm saying? And then let's think about how expensive it is to live. You got like, what are you paying rent yearly? Like the numbers add up. So it's not like, and I think athletes or people with money get like backed into a wall. And it's like, and like, I don't know, like for me, I like, that's where I, that's what I learned to just kind of separate myself. I learned, I re, I, I just kind of accepted who I was, you know what I'm saying? And stop trying to listen to what everybody else say they would do with their money or how they do things like, well, we all different. You know what I'm saying? We all think that I grew up in an environment where we thought money would fix everything. You know what I'm saying? So giving me a whole bunch of money overnight was probably not the best idea. You know what I'm saying? So in my case, I had to learn through my mistakes. I had no financial literacy. I can't think of nobody in my family who, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, come on, man. I grew up on welfare, food stamps. There's no financial literacy in that. You, it's, it's a lot of lack in that. I think for people to just accept where they are, accept the reality of situations versus projecting I don't know what it is, but it's a projection. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Um, I I like how you just phrased that, though, which is, you know, knowing where you are, you know what I'm saying? So and being real with yourself, because that's what this is what unbiased money is all about. Anyway, it's about having real conversations about money and money management so that we can all learn, grow and develop and, and receiving information that you may not get because it's of some of the information that's out there contains a lot of hype or misinformation. But my, my brother, what you just described was spot on and I hope more people pay attention to it, which is that you gotta understand where you are right now. It's easy to sit back and say, oh, if I had this and if I had that and to live in that dream world, if and if and if, but let's deal with where you living at right now. So one point to that right there too though, like. Most people, like if I'm broke thinking about what I'm going to do with a million dollars, that's not realistic because once I get in a million dollars, my mindset changes. So I'm not doing that what I'm saying I would do because I'm no longer in that state of mind. It's like in that, that, so just imagine when that changes overnight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're now you, you think you can do whatever you want to do now. It's not like, well, it's not, you're not thinking like I'm making this last the rest, I'm stretching this. Right. So it's, I don't know, it's. Um, but you said it, per- I mean, to me, you said it perfectly, which is the, the financial literacy piece and how that can set the stage for someone to seize their next opportunity. And without that financial literacy, any, like they say, anything's possible, really like anything's possible. 
because you know you've got dreams and ambitions and wants and desires but if you don't have any foundation to operate off of so that you can make those a reality like you did with going from being you know that kid in a in a that kid in the neighborhood that whooped up on everybody athletically and then you use that that those skills and abilities and built upon that use that foundation to grow into being a professional athlete same with somebody who you know, I'm working a nine to five or whatever, and I'm looking at a professional athlete and I see all that money he's gotten. If I had that money, I would do this and I would do this. But if you ain't taking care of what you got on, what you got the nine to five or being diligent about your finances currently, it's going to make it very much of a challenge when you get that big check to do what's right with it, because mm-hmm. you, that history just has not been there. And that's not knock on anybody um, where you are or whatever, because we all have our struggles. But what Absolutely. you just said and what we've been talking about is a seizing the opportunities. Hey, if I want to do something, if I want to be something, if I want to go somewhere, and if I do want to see my wealth change, there are some material things I need to do differently today Mm -hmm. so that I can put myself in the best position to achieve this in the future because it's a marathon, not a sprint. And And that's what I found powerful about what you just said. And another thing that I've learned in this um, through all my experiences and looking back is right, it's like, when we're talking about growth or transitioning or just becoming better, just in general, it's that next step is going to require something more of me, right? So it's like, it's almost like becoming too big for old clothes. It won't fit, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, and that's a that's how sometimes we get caught up in like this cycle of kind of like the same outcomes or we feel like we always just missing opportunities was like, at some point you got to change and that's where you got to accept where you are, accept the, 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 where your efforts need to be different. You know what I'm saying? Where you, where you need to sacrifice a little more or, you know, where you need to encourage yourself a little more. I don't know. It's just all just being realistic about yourself. Yeah. Um, and I, I commend you on sharing that lesson because it's a powerful lesson and it's a it's a painful one because I can we can mm-hmm. we can sense the pain behind and I, obviously I can see you and the audience can't but and we've had these personal conversations and I know that they're painful for you but um, revisiting things that have happened because when we when, when our pride has been hurt and we've made a mistake it's always difficult to go back to that place because it's like that's that wasn't a fun time I don't want to go back mm-hmm. to that but what I commend you on is that not only are you able to go back and yeah, it still might be a little painful for you to go back, but you're willing to go back to share that experience with somebody else, but then you're also willing to go back to learn from it and grow from it so that you can do things differently in the future. And so that you can can you can make a transition uh, mm-hmm. in your life and grow in your life. So, you know, I, I thank you very much for sharing those lessons. I mean, those are very powerful. And uh, I think that they, they resonate with anybody, no matter where you are, whether you are a professional athlete or whether you're working a nine to five or whether you got 18 million side hustles at the same time, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, when it comes down to managing your money and keeping track of your money, you got to know what, what you got to be real with yourself and what type of person you are mm-hmm. and then realize, you know, where your deficiencies lie and address those deficiencies. So you're not the weak link so that you can see your wealth continue to grow. Thank you for tuning in today to this episode of Unbiased. I hope today's conversation empowered your decisions and sparked your conversation or maybe even sparked a different thought concerning your personal finances. And I greatly appreciate you again tuning in today. Feel free to reach out to me uh, via social media. My Twitter handle is Hairston, that's H-A-I-R-S-T-O-N underscore Mike. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Michael. G. Hairston, MBA, or you can reach out to me via email at michael at alpha financial, that's one word, dot com. Again, that's email is michael at alpha financial dot com. Thank you very much, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon.